Good morning. It's nice to be back with you again. Some of you may uh, remember me from seven years ago uh, when you called Tobin as your pastor. I was the representative from the Presbyterian of the Pastor Seeking Committee. And I preached here a couple of times in the interim, including uh, an opportunity to preach about my personal work in dreams and spirituality. The other time I spent some time with PPC folks was at the men's retreat in 2015 when I did a retreat on using dreams as a spiritual tool. At that time I was in a wheelchair and it is so nice to be able to move around much more freely. I'm not quite ready to dance yet, but it's much better than in a wheelchair. So it's good to be back with you again. I just read two of the 12 stories of the resurrection. I went and counted them in preparation for the sermon. Why are there so many different stories about the resurrection? I think in part because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is something totally new, something really new that people had not seen before. And it's also an attempt to describe the undescribable, to speak about the unspeakable, to, dis to describe or discern things that are beyond normal human comprehension. And so everybody who experiences the resurrection has their own version of it. And we have certain models, 12 of them in the New Testament, to help us frame our understanding and our working with the resurrection. How do we speak about something totally new? That was the struggle of those first disciples. It's been the struggle of the Christian church for over 2,000 years, and it remains our struggle now. Something really new. We're fascinated with the new, I think, in, at least in our culture, the only one I know. A lot of products come out spend a few years on the market, and then they're re-released, new and improved. We have this phenomena called the evening news. What's new in the world? And, alas, we have the novel or new coronavirus. It was new, and it has remained new because of the massive destruction and dislocation that it has caused worldwide. There has never been anything like that. It is new. But it's not totally new. It was new, but it was a coronavirus. And I'm sure most of you know the story that because it was a coronavirus, we've seen those before. People were already working on vaccinations for coronaviruses. And that's how we got the vaccinations so quickly wasn't something that came out of the air. It was something that had been going on for 10 years or so. But we are still feeling the effects of the newness, of the strangeness, of the differentness of the coronavirus. How do we learn? When something new comes along, how do we integrate it and incorporate it into our lives? One of my favorite examples of something we are not quite sure of yet, we can't define scientifically, 
in my work with dreams and spirituality, there's lots of stuff that happens that we cannot prove scientifically. We cannot prove scientifically the resurrection of Jesus. Yet. Because my favorite example of something new is microwave energy. How many of you have microwaves in your homes? Raise your hands if you'd like. <laughs> I won't say I see one, two, three, four. Microwaves were only discovered in the last 100, maybe 120 years. Before that, we had no idea that they existed. So we don't make room for them in our understanding of the world. That's kind of what the resurrection is like spiritually. We have no way to prove it, to measure it, except to see how Christians respond to the resurrection. What new things come to us in our life? And how does our faith help us cope with them? What changes have you seen in PPC over the years, all of you who have been here? And how has the church responded to new situations and new developments that may come as a surprise? And when those things happen, think about these disciples on Easter, the first Easter. Their world had fallen apart. And they did what they knew how to do, what they had been trained to do, go to the tomb and take care of the body. But, oops, there's no body. Now what? This is really new. How do we handle this? The resurrection stories will unfold to tell how the early disciples handled it and how those disciples were so changed by this event that they were able to change the world and become a major force in the world. That's us. That extends all the way to us here and now. The empty tomb was a shattering of expectations, as it were. These disciples, actually Mary Magdalene herself, runs to the tomb. It's open. I better go back and look. Does she look in? Came to the tomb, saw the stone had been removed. She did not look in. She, the stone was moved. She ran back to tell the disciples. And then they, three of them come back. And the first two disciples, Peter and the beloved disciple, realize something strange. And then the, the beloved disciple, as scripture says, he believed. He knew. He had some sense that what he was seeing, or rather not seeing, was a fulfillment of scripture, and he believed. Peter, eh, he's not quite there yet. And they go home. I just find that fascinating. Then the disciples return to their homes. Okay, la di da Jesus' body is gone. Let's go back and resume our life. But Mary sticks around. And she has this vision, maybe two visions, who knows? The first vision is angels at the head and the foot of Jesus, where Jesus' body should be. Then there's this, I think, fascinating experience where somebody says to her, Mary, no, wait a minute, I'm forgetting my text, woman, why are you weeping? 
She thinks it's the gardener. Who else could it be? It certainly couldn't be Jesus. And she says, sir, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've taken him, and I will go and prepare him and take care of him, take care of the body. And then Jesus calls her name, and she recognizes him. What a strange little story. How do we integrate that into our own lives? Have you ever been someplace where something totally unexpected happened and you couldn't recognize it? You didn't know what was going on. I have an example of that. It's a minor little one, personal. My church, Whittier Presbyterian Church, had a preschool and every year we would have a picnic at the end. One year I went over to the picnic and as I was walking up to the group, somebody that I didn't recognize waved to me. And I thought, oh, who is that? It doesn't look like one of the parents. It took me four or five seconds to realize it was my son, who was in his 40s, 30s at the time, not a preschool kid, certainly, but from a distance, I didn't recognize him. I felt embarrassed because he knew I didn't recognize him because of my response. Dad, what's the matter? It didn't quite happen that way. But I recognized later that I didn't know who that was because I did not expect to see him there. He lives in San Diego. He doesn't have kids in the preschool. But as it turns out, his nieces and nephews, my grandkids, who I was there to see, were there. So he was at the preschool picnic. I didn't expect him. And when he said hello, I didn't recognize him. Now, that's a minor version of maybe what happened to Mary. But it fits for me. Because it's the idea of expectations. What do we expect to see in particular situations? And when it's not what we expect, how do we respond? How do we integrate what's going on there? And then Jesus says this enigmatic little expression, do not hold on to me. And I want to point out that he says, do not hold on, which means do not hold me, which is part of the process, but do not hold on to me and keep, because he says, <clears throat> do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended. I have more work to do. Don't hold me back. I know you're really glad to see me, but hang on to your faith, not to me. You cannot hang on to me. I am resurrected. I am something totally new. And the story goes on and unfolds. And we know that Mary Magdalene became the pillar of the early church for the first period until the men took over once again. But Mary is the first one that Jesus appears to. And I think that's very significant. <coughs> Don't hold on to what you know only. Make some room for new possibilities. Open your mind to the possibility of something really new, something different than you've ever known, ever expected. Think about times of loss and pain and suffering. Think about the end of a marriage 
painful situation. And yet, for many who have gone through that, they have found that the ending of one thing can be the opening and beginning and birth of another. That when we've been through a bad marriage, we may find a new way to be, a better way to be. When we lose a job, it's devastating, can be. But sometimes things work out that we get into a job that is so much better than the other one, so much more a part of who we are than the former job. Going back to marriages again, the loss of anger in a marriage can enable that marriage to move into new territory, something really new for that couple. Think about the loss that we have seen in this last year. What have we lost from this pandemic? Over half a million lives in the United States. I don't even know how many jobs. And now we're on the cusp of something new. How new will it be? So many people clamor, let's go back to the way it was. I want to go back to normal. And others, and here I hope there are a number of Christians among them, say, no, let's not go back to what we had. Let's do something new. Let's find ways where medical care can be given to everybody. And we can care for others and have compassion for others in totally new ways. Newness and inspiration will not come only from the Christian church, alas, or thank God. <laughs> I've been impressed throughout the year with the way in which people have adapted to the new situation. This is very impressive. It's painful to see an empty congregation, but to know that there are others out there, we have adapted to this new has it enabled us to be really new? Are we better able to love those around us than we were a year ago? I hope so, because many of us have lost people we know in this last year, not only to COVID, but my mother passed away of natural causes at 96 years old. My neighbor across the street had cancer for a year and a half, passed away. Those weren't COVID-related. But because of COVID, their passings were done in such a different way. I thought about that a lot this week as I looked at this passage and the normal burial and grieving procedures were um, undercut, as it were, by the resurrection. So as we move out of the pandemic, or at least the pandemic becomes tamed like a little dog that we may carry on a leash to be with us a lot, but to be paid careful attention to. What will the new be for us after the pandemic? That's an open-ended question, if ever there was one. Are we open to that new? Can we loosen our expectations just a little bit and be flexible with what comes to us. 
we hold on to Jesus as our comfort and our strength. But at some point, Jesus is going to say, okay, I've comforted you enough. I see somebody over there who needs some comfort. Your turn. Jesus' resurrection unleashes this power of possibility for us. The possibility of something totally new, something we've never even thought of before. And how many of us have had little moments of that in this last year? Oh, there's a different way to do this and a new way to do that. What will be new for Placentia Presbyterian Church after the pandemic? What situations will you face that are new, that are unexpected, that call you to dig a little deeper into your faith, a little deeper into your life experiences and put them in the context of your faith? What is new for the world after COVID? May the good news of Jesus Christ and Jesus' resurrection be our contribution to the newness. It's what we've done for over 2,000 years. But perhaps when a trauma comes, like Jesus' death for the disciples, or like COVID-19 for the planet Earth, when those traumas come, how do we put ourselves back together in such a way to be new and improved and rooted in the resurrection? What is new in the resurrection for uh, Placentia Presbyterian Church? What is new in the resurrection for planet Earth as we come out of COVID? May we in the church make our contributions to improve compassion and tolerance and patience and love. That's a part of the power of the resurrection. It's not new, but the power of God to renew and strengthen our love is new. New every morning, one of the old songs said. May we find that newness in everything that we do. Amen.